Hello, and welcome to the Artsy Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan, joined this week by staff writer Alexa Gotthardt. Hi, Isaac. Hey, Alexa. And two extremely special guests. It's great to have you both <laughs> in the studio. Artist Petra Collins and artist Marilyn Minter. Hi, Isaac. Hi. Petra, your latest book, Coming of Age, came out just a few days ago. For listeners who haven't yet picked up a copy, it's really an exploration of your own story from old family photos of your childhood in Toronto to ad campaigns for Gucci to the series 24-Hour Psycho that explores mental illness. It features contributions from other artists, including a conversation between you and Marilyn, which is why we got you both in the studio here today. But I want to kick off, Petra, by asking you about the first lines in your book. You write, I love family photos, but not in the way most people love them. My love for them is like my love for reality TV. I was really struck by that. Can you maybe tell me a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, the reason I love reality TV is because of, I mean, I guess how they are filmed and they're filmed in this way. And the subjects think that they're being filmed in this way of like showing them in a sort of like positive light or showing them in a, I guess in a, idyllic situation but you always end up seeing the real emotion through that so I have this like really sick fascination with it where I love watching it and seeing like everyone's kind of actual feelings show through and that's kind of why I love family photos because I look through I mean my mother was always very my mom has been depressed my whole life but and she was the one who captured most of my childhood but it was very interesting and it is very interesting to look through those photos because you can you can see the darkness in them and yeah that's why I love them I can actually see like even through any smiles or any posing you can really see what's going on Yeah, that's what I find so powerful about your work, your ability to kind of focus on the dark aspects while also bringing positive aspects of femininity into them. And Marilyn, your your work does the same thing. Is that, are these synchronicities between the two of your practices, what drew the two of you together? Uh, Probably. Yeah. 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 Um, We just, you know, the flaws are not uh, objectionable to either one of us and I was just thinking I don't have any family photos my family was so fucked up they couldn't <laughs> they'd have the wherewithal to take a few pictures <laughs> I weirdly have so many I mean it's yeah. probably why I'm a photographer but my mom just took so many photos and there's some photos in the book that are just so dark to me yeah, yeah. that I love looking at because I can really see how she felt yeah, on the camera yeah that's fascinating yeah. what's one example out of curiosity there's one Oh, there's one that kills me. It's of my sister and I, but it's backlit. And we're like kind of half smiling. And there's snow in the background. We're totally dark. Like you can't even see us in the photo. Um, I mean, maybe it's just because I come from like a photo background and I'm analyzing it too much. But I can just really feel how my mother felt about us or how, I don't know, how she couldn't connect or couldn't capture us. That's what she I have always a camera? Think. Yeah. She, had, yeah. she shot you all the time. All the time. That's constantly. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I really didn't think about it until now. And there's the two photos that open my book I actually love too. There's one of me and my father, but it has this crazy red sunset and my face is turned away. Mm-hmm. And this is like, there are hundreds of, like my mom took so many where I'm not even facing the camera. And then there's another one where I'm wow. not facing the camera again. Right. There's just fast. It's also fascinating as, a housewife with mental illness capturing her yeah, children. Yeah, back um, their heads, the backs of their heads. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, 
were these photos just in albums? Were they in a giant drawer, like stacked? How, how did you like parse through them, sift through them? Well, the, we have so many albums and it's all photos like that. Mm. Um, it's not like your typical family photo album. There's so many photos of my sister crying and me crying. Wow. And there's a really good one actually where both of us are, oh my God, it's us in the pool and I'm, running out of the pool crying and my sister in the pool crying and i think we must have just fought and my mom just decided to take a photo mm. of that not one for the christmas card probably yeah we didn't have a christmas card but she would put those in the album and it's funny because my i mean this wasn't captured by my family but my sister we have the photo that my sister had i think she was taken in kindergarten it's like a school portrait and she's just sobbing in it and we had it on our fridge <laughs> so we sort of have this like these are, the, yeah, these are the type of photos that I, we had lying around but and then you started picking up a camera when, yeah. when did that come out like what motivated you to do that um it's a little bit of a long story if i can tell it you got time <laughs> okay. bring it on <laughs> um my sister and i had been doing ballet from a very young age so did ballet from five to i guess 15 and i went to high school for dance and that's what i thought i was going to do i thought it was going to be a ballerina and i ended up when i was um when i was auditioning for the dance company in 10th grade um, I ended up dislocating my knee very badly and I had, I chipped off a piece of bone and Ooh. I had to, I ended up getting surgery. And so this is like 15 or 14 year old me. Um, and my, after the surgery, my surgeons told me that I shouldn't ever dance again, that my body wasn't made for it. Um, and that this problem would keep happening because it, where my kneecap sits is just too shallow. God. And that just shattered me because I, I mean, I already had these issues with my body being a sexual object, but then not being able to use my body physically was just so confusing. Um, and so then at 15, I was, I have always been obsessed with movies and film and I was just so angry. Um, and I picked up a camera and it just sort of, flowed through me and I figured out that that's what I love to do because I love to tell stories and then that was that the rest is history yeah <laughs> but it was a very very dramatic path for me and did you start photographing your peers women girls right away yeah is, were women always kind of was that your instinctual subject yeah I guess? because I was a teenage girl and I mm -hmm. was just fascinated with my peers but also I was not living a teenage life at that point so I was really interested I was really angry and trying to figure out how to capture that teenage life but to also I was so sick of not getting any type of image that was like my life or that was like where I felt where I saw kind of not negative things but I wanted to make violent things I wanted to make like kind of scary things and dark things. This is Canada, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. What do you mean by the fact that you weren't living a, a teenage life? Well, I, from a very young age, um, I mean, my family 
basically like I was parenting myself from very yeah my sister That's and I were. thing we have in common yeah yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah so I was sort of off on my own and not and I was also with adults constantly I wasn't living in a world where I was like kind of like a safe teenager I was not living that and I would crave that all the time um where was mom mom was mom was sick my both my parents were sick um was she ever institutionalized no she wasn't Ooh, the worst. So she yeah so she I mean she was just dealing with so much and my dad also so it's like there was no no place for me to sort of land and no parents yeah exactly yeah and our friends didn't be this yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) well it's funny because there was such a shift where they were so present and then all of a sudden just dropped off and then yeah i'm wondering because it does it sounds like there's some biographical connections or, or similarities between you two and i'm wondering if how you came across each other's work and how you began to sort of realize that there were these underpinnings um, beneath beneath both of your lives and, and, and your practices? Well, for me, I mean, Marilyn's work was always so important because I was I'm constantly looking for like the gross and personal and intimate and it's kind of scary imagery. Not scary. I mean, but for yeah, me, it like yeah, feels yeah. that way and it feels good. Um, paradoxical yeah yeah Yeah, beautiful and nasty yeah exactly because that's how i felt and that's how i saw myself and that's how i saw others but that's not that's the reality yeah that's what you know things life is nasty yeah it is pretty messy and untidy yeah and that's what i was looking for i was looking for the next generation of uh young girls who would take you know fearless photos and I came across her and uh, Sandy Kim, and I went, whoa, I've been waiting for these girls. <laughs> well, it's also really interesting because both of you have been criticized for focusing on these imperfect aspects of femininity that lands outside of like media's glossy vision. Can you talk a little bit about, I know like Marilyn, in your case, you were kind of, in your words, kicked out of the art world in the 90s for... Thinking well, about the female body sex, as a, yeah. as a sexual object, or as a, it's different. Yeah, as, yeah no, I was criticized pleasure. for um, for it because um, I think uh, uh, it was a shock to the eye because every yeah. uh, all the other photographs are aspirational. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I was sort of saying, well, yeah, you know, I see paradox here, and we all, you know, that's what we talked about. I mean, this is glamour and fashion; it's considered contemptible. Yeah. You know, and then it's uh, a shallow endeavor. Yet I saw it as giving people a lot of pleasure at the same time, giving them eating disorders at the same time. It's like a giant engine of Western culture. Yeah. And that one of the few places where women have any power. And at the same time, uh, it's uh, kind of cruel the way it, you know, fashion changes. So you get rid of that, you know, all of a sudden you got to get rid of that. So it's, it's basically consumer based. So it's like constant, uh, paradox, which uh, I saw in your photographs, you know, it wasn't this kind of aspirational, oh, this is ideal and this is what we should strive for. Uh, because I think, just you know it's like a slap in the face it's a a slap or a shock or something that really excites me when i I, something i know but then someone makes an image of it like petra yeah like i know it exists but i've never seen anyone make that picture 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it's you're right about the aspirational. I was just talking to someone else about it. For me, it is insulting too because it also takes away your power of being a multi-dimensional yeah. human being. Yeah, yeah. Where it also sort of feels shameful because well, people make fun of you for for you know I've seen academics hide their vogues yeah, you know when people yeah. were coming over yeah and they're dressed head and toe Prada but they just have nothing but contempt for yeah this world yeah and it's so hypocritical you know I'm kind of curious because the way in which images construct societal expectations for women for for everyone I mean really. Petra, when you were first taking photographs, yeah. what, when did you become aware that these images were doing this in a way? Because I think there is sometimes a moment where you realize, oh, wait, I've always been influenced by this, but I haven't actually, yeah. that gear hasn't turned in my yeah. head yet. Well, I remember, I mean, I guess I came of age in the early 2000s and I feel like that time was so wild with imagery and music and media like it was everything was so sexualized and the main image of beauty was like prepubescent sort of like sex doll and I remember so clearly being like this is what my worth is because I was I was failing in school and I remember just watching these things and being so influenced by them it made me angry and then I found all these films I was very very into and still am into exploitation films and I loved I mean I loved like rape revenge yeah, me too loved Ms. Like, 45 so yes 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 <laughs> I saw it three oh. times at midnight at it's the, so it, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I forgot where it was but like and then I saw like the exorcist and Carrie and all these beautiful examples of like the horrors that we like go through with our body and um and I then wanted to really explore it in imagery. But I didn't know how yet because I was – I the only images that I saw were the ones that were like the male gaze images of women. So you can kind of see through my work that sort of violence that it starts with where I'm not quite sure how to approach my subjects. It's a little less tender in the beginning because I was really like, how do I capture these girls in a way where they have their own sexuality where the image can be both nasty and hot, I guess, mm -hmm. and just sort of everything. and How it um, feels to look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned female gaze because in your work, um, I think your work is often encapsulated as or described as pushing forward this idea of female gaze as a as a way to subvert the male gaze in Marilyn. Your work has just has been described that way too. But in the book you kind of push back against that notion yeah. a little bit. Um can you can you talk about why? Yeah. I mean, I obviously began as a young woman really wanting to create imagery that was different, but I also didn't want my gender to necessarily define me or what I was doing because I felt like it sort of started engulfing me and it started becoming this thing where she's a female artist or like whenever I've been commissioned to do things or even when I'm working on set I was treated differently and lesser because of that so like I mean an example in like I guess the commercial world is even if I'm shooting a major campaign it sometimes people just want to be like oh like a a story by or a piece by Patrick Collins but it's like mm -hmm. no I'm actually just shooting a campaign and just because I'm a woman doesn't mean that it's not the same as yeah not the same as like Stephen Mizell or whoever shooting mm -hmm. so I began to really 
I mean, it really started to anger me and I feel like it's become this monster kind of. Um, so I wanted to talk about it in the book or I wanted to push back a little because I think it's obviously it's important to have female artists or have this different type of gaze, but I don't think it needs to be defined that way. It's just another type of person taking a photo, but that's culture wants to tame you and put yeah, you in a exactly. box and then exactly. you, then you're boxed in and then yeah, especially in the fashion world, they just that look, oh yeah, that's so whatever that year is and they toss it instantly. It's yeah, yeah it's a much tougher world than the art world in some ways. Yeah, yeah I'm curious to uh, hear a little bit more about the difference in your minds between the art world and the fashion world in terms of like who you're reaching impact because the art world, it reaches a tiny sliver, like an Absolutely. exhibition versus, yeah. versus like these massive Absolutely. reach of fashion companies. Yeah. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how you think then if, if you want to like break down the way well, the, the art world resents that. The yeah. art world resents that, yeah, it does. you know, any kind of yeah. mass pleasure yeah. is, uh, it's like a knee jerk reaction, mm -hmm. even though she's changing, she's changing t culture by doing this the way nirvana changed culture you know it's but it's still i remember when nirvana started getting lots of attention and all of a sudden they were over <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know they sold out yeah it is interesting when when people who are outside of the institutions or structures are incorporated into it or become more accepted i mean how do you think about that relationship between yourself and you know fashion companies is it is it always symbiotic is there tension is there is stress is there how, how do you there's that? always tension but also the way that i have always thought about art and that i have always been taught about art is it's basically just a thing to create change or like to put a mirror up to the world so using that template doesn't necessarily tell you exactly where it needs to be done and as someone i mean as like a young woman it's very difficult to sort of like be accepted in any of those worlds and fashion was sort of the first one that did and I've been lucky enough to have a lot of creative control over a lot of the campaigns that I've done and all these I mean even with like little choices I feel like the more I can get into these type of institutions the more I can change it because I mean those are the those are the things that girls or me, young me, are seeing every day. They're not, there's a, they're not necessarily able to go to galleries or museums or um, have these specific, very like sort of privileged ways of viewing things. So, mm. um, I think it's really cool that I get to do that. Instagram seems to be shifting that balance as yeah. well, or social media in general. I was thinking a lot about kind of the different cultures in which the two of you came of age. And it seems like not a lot has changed in terms of how women are regarded by media, yeah. but but social media is a is a real it's new, a new world. Agent. It yeah. is. Yeah. It We're is. learning that for sure. I mean, I grew up with the internet and that is what sort of created my career, but it's also, I think the first time in history where women or any type of minority have been able to have physically like had have been able to create images of themselves and have a platform to show them so it's really this crazy time where y you have the space to do it to to see these images and to connect with these people um i find my models on instagram yeah exactly wow, exactly yeah. it's mm -hmm. like a whole so much more interesting people yeah you know? <laughs> yeah i mean it's a whole community it's created such a 
a space outside of these institutional spaces. And I, I for me, like, I, I think it's like one of the most important things. A new vision, you know, is really hard to come across. And whenever we see it, it's like your first reaction is, oh, no. But then it, your eye seems to crave what it doesn't see. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then it becomes the norm, and then it gets commercialized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's on to the next thing. Yeah. Exactly. But it's interesting you mentioned Instagram is, like, outside of these institutions, because sometimes it does incorporate yeah, certain... Yeah, of course. You know, because mm. you, were, you were kicked off Yeah, Instagram. it was kicked off Instagram, yeah. I mean, there's always going to be some aspect of institution if you want to live a public a public life in, in the media. I'm not saying, like, mm. Instagram is outside of that. Um, I'm just saying that it's a better tool... And it's a more inclusive tool. And the difference is when you're an artist, you just make another thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So, you know, it, it's like, okay, I don't care. I'll just do something, do something else. else. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's like you have a choice in the matter. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You're just using these tools to yeah. create whatever. And then we know how to move on. So, Are you doing anything new? Talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I want to go more into movies movies um, that's what i thought yeah yeah <laughs> it's horror that i really want to do and it's what i've like um, always wanted to do do you I, have a producer no i have it i really haven't it's not anything yet but the wheels are turning i actually just watched get out last night for the first never time i hadn't seen it have yet. you um, seen it oh yeah okay okay so good well did you see that movie raw <gasps> i couldn't <sighs> You couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. It's I'm really such a. I, I told you, I'm. I, I know. I, I'm turning so sensitive. It's really. Yeah. Good. It's exactly like I feel like you. Yeah. What, it, what is it about? I don't cannibalism. know. Cannibalism. It. Yeah, it's cannibalism, but it's a coming of age story. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, about this this young girl who's a vegetarian who yeah. goes to veterinary school and she ends up being a cannibal, and that's a, weirdly was something that I was always. I saw this. There's this movie called Cannibal Girls. That's have you seen it? Not that one. It's from the 70s or 80s. It was, it's weirdly a Canadian movie and like Eugene Levy's in it, but it's 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 so great. It's this house of women that just like eat all these men that come by. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Those 70s movies are, I have seen They're a lot of so them though. Good. Kill Pussycat Faster yeah, Faster. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all those Russ Meyer where the women are the bosses. They're really yeah, yeah, good. yeah. But then at the end, it's like you realize a man is controlling them. Of and course. It sucks, but you sort of just cut that out of yeah. your mind because you're watching it. But, <laughs> Not um, Miss 45. Yeah, Miss 45 <laughs> is just so good. Well, I also love, I mean, I don't love Possession as a movie, but I love, love, love that scene where she's in the subway. I go back to it constantly for every single thing that I do. It's just been the, I think it's been the most inspirational thing I've ever seen because it's like this woman fully losing it and just fully like not even losing i i see that type of i guess like loss of control as gaining control because she's turning into this like animalistic like it's just it's so beautiful she ends up have you seen it no. she's like screaming she's like she spills milk everywhere she starts bleeding and she it starts off very slowly where she's walking and laughing and then she starts hitting herself into the wall um i'm already scared to watch your movie <laughs> it might be it's probably gonna i'll be see your movie for yeah, sure okay, okay, i mean no, i'm gonna no. see it but i'm, I'm already getting really excited yeah. i saw yeah, mother here. i'm just gonna quickly say i'm not a fan no oh i hated it no. okay okay uh -huh. yeah i mean it it was it was about it made male ego yeah, it wasn't yeah. about the earth well being... it was i know it was well it's crazy i mean it made me it made me want to make movies even more because yeah. i it honestly 
sickened me so much that yeah. that, that we think you that that was okay to make that. that. <laughs> no, it's yeah. but it wasn't even about that. It and was the like, earth. It was supposed to be about the mother the, earth yeah. being uh, destroyed. Yeah, she and what they used, no agency in it. She had no, zero she was no agency. None. But what they used is what drove me crazy was it began. Mother Earth began as this pure supple. They kept going to her. The camera kept going to her yeah. boobs, like long hair. <laughs> Young, no pretty, makeup, no makeup. Uh, but then the earth starts turning bad when she has sex. Makeup on, yeah. And has get, sex. puts makeup yes. on and her yes, hair gets... Yes, and yeah. that just, I mean... It, Good I, point. Yeah. I, yeah, as soon as she put the makeup on. Yeah. yeah. As soon as she put the makeup on, as yeah. soon as she had sex, the yeah. earth was... She wasn't mm. a virgin anymore. Yeah. Good point. And yeah, the violence in that t- towards Jennifer Lawrence's character at the end is just... I mean, it's it's and gratuity I Requiem for, for a dream. Yeah, yeah. So I was, yeah. I mean, I also love Black Swan too. Yeah, me too. It was just that movie was. It I was, was just, about his fucking. Ego. It was. It was. Okay, since we've been talking about movies so much, I know we normally do recommendations for what art exhibition we're going to see or we've seen recently, but I think we should change our white wine segment to do a movie recommendation. So Petra. What's yours? Um, well, one of my favorite movies is Fat Girl. I don't know if I'm oh yeah, that's a great it. movie. Oh, um, I think every teenager, every person yeah. should see it. Yeah. It has, I mean, the ending alone. What's it about? It's about two sisters, um, but it's really, I mean, it deals with their experience of sexuality, but they're also the way that they view each other's, and it's it's very sad and intense and real and the end is just i can't i i don't want to say anymore but everyone needs to see it the movies i'm going to recommend are all dangerous liaisons and the first one is by roger vadim i think he did it in the 50s and then the second one is milos foreman and the third one is stephen frears and they're all so good Mm. and i recommend them all right i'm gonna i'm gonna say an embarrassing one but i i saw this for the first time Last week, Pinnacle of High Cinema, Real Tearjerker, uh, Bridget Jones's Diary. Oh, Great, Isaac. Know, I, I love that. I never love seen that. it before. <laughs> I watched it. Hugh Grant, perfect. It was great. Yeah, so good. I, mean, <laughs> I actually never seen it. It's, it's, it's really good. It's a good one to curl up in. I'm cute. With. Yeah. I'm not that, I don't know. It's escapist entertainment. Don't I be know, a but snob. I, no, no, not even a snob about it. Like my escapist entertainment is like the Kardashian side. I have like <laughs> okay, a different. You, you win. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I've I'm never obsessed. watched a minute. Well, next time we have you guys on, we'll talk about a little bit more about reality TV shows. But thanks for coming on to talk about movies, your work, everything. This was super fun. Thank yeah, you. Well, it's always fun with Petra. <laughs> <laughs> always fun with Marilyn. <laughs> Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. As always, we'd love to hear from you. You can send your feedback to podcast at artsy.net. See you next time. Our producer this week, as always, associate editor Abigail Kane. The theme music is by Broke for Free. Broke for Free.